Spoiler alert. Welcome to Spoilers Ahead, your podcast guide to the latest TV show's twists and turns. On today's episode, we'll be talking all about the Netflix limited series, Clickbait. So if the title of this podcast wasn't enough of a warning, let me break it down for you. If you have not watched this show yet, you will find out what happens if you continue to listen. So here is your final, final warning. Spoilers will indeed be ahead. Let's get into it. Before I continue, I wanted to mention a content warning that the following episode contains discussion on suicide. So let's start off with a recap. Clickbait follows the story of college athlete physical therapist and family man Nick Brewer's disappearance. He suddenly appears on an online video looking battered and holding a sign that says, I abuse women, and another that reads, at 5 million views, I die. Each episode follows the story of a person closest to Nick, or someone involved in the case, as they work to uncover the reasoning behind the kidnapping and the viral video. At the end of episode two, after the video reaches that 5 million view goal thanks to social media sharing, Nick is found dead. The rest of the series aims to uncover who did this to Nick and why, and if he really is an abuser. To start off breaking down this series, what I think is really interesting is how the writers made the decision that each episode follows a different person's point of view. We start off with Nick's sister, Pia, and we continue on following the detective in the case, his wife, Sophie, his son, Ethan, and other characters that are involved in the show. This gives dif- different perspectives on what is going on, how people are coping, and who could really be involved in this situation. Because of this, it throws a lot of red herrings into the viewer's perspective. As we're watching this, we're convinced that it has to be this person or that person because of this situation. When in reality, when episodes are built like this, anyone that you highlight in an episode, such as Pia or the wife, can seemingly be discounted as not the killer. That's because it would be too obvious. What this show does really well is that there's a constant twist and turns, and as I said, the red herrings. To start off, we have Nick's wife, Sophie, and her affair. We find out that at one point, she did cheat on Nick with her coworker Curtis. This automatically leads the viewers to believe that she or Curtis had something to do with this, or maybe Nick decided to also cheat because of his wife's affair. Another twist that we find out is one of the students that Nick coaches on his volleyball team suddenly quit even though she was the star player. There are a lot of questions surrounding this, and another student suggests that the reporter go and talk to her to find out more information. As viewers, we think maybe Nick was having an affair with his student. This would obviously be unprofessional and a reasoning for his signs about abusing women. Another twist is that we see Nick's son Ethan talking online to a mysterious figure just with a username, and we have no idea who that is. We are led to believe that he is being groomed online by a pedophile, however, we eventually realize that it's just another teenage girl his age that is interested in the case and looking to help him uncover the secrets. Finally, one of the second major twists in the series is the question of if Nick was a serial cheater. We later find out that Nick has multiple dating profiles with different names and he's talking to different women. Two of the women are showcased in this series, one of them even getting her own episode. Emma Beasley claims that she and Nick had a physical relationship, and we even, as viewers, see flashbacks to their time spent together, as well as images of the two of them on the beach. Later on in the series, I believe in the penultimate episode, Emma speaks to Nick's son Ethan about her time with his father. But after playing a voicemail from his dad, Emma realizes that the voice that she has been talking to this whole time 
isn't that of Nick Brewer, and she even admitted to never meeting him. So all those flashbacks that we saw as viewers were just made-up memories in her head fantasizing about if she really met Nick, what their time together would be like. We later see that same image on the beach of him but with another woman, Sarah Burton. Sarah Burton, we find, killed herself after messages received from Nick. Her brother Simon is devastated and he seeks revenge. As viewers, we find out that Simon and an accomplice did in fact kidnap Nick and post those videos online. But Nick convinced Simon that it wasn't him using those profiles for two distinct reasons. The aforementioned beach photo is clearly photoshopped. The beach horizon line did not line up. And Nick would never tell someone to kill themselves because as a child, he and his sister found their father after his suicide, and that greatly affected them. Before Simon realizes that he's made a mistake and lets Nick go, Nick tells him that there's only one person that could have known about his wife's affair, a topic that came up in conversation on the dating apps between Sarah and the fake Nick. Nick knows who is doing this. We are led to believe that he is talking about Matt, who is another physical therapist at his job. And after Simon releases Nick, we know that Simon is not the killer. The first time that I watched the series, I was convinced that the person doing all of this was Matt. The penultimate episode even confirmed my suspicions when we found Nick's images on his computer. This shows how incredible the Mr. X were written into this series. It made sense. Maybe he was jealous that this new shiny man came into the office and was taking all the attention from the students. Because we later found out that it was in fact Matt who was having a relationship with the volleyball player who quit, it led us to believe that Nick was probably threatening him to come clean or quit his job. Matt had a motive in doing this to Nick. It makes sense with the jealousy and the fact that the entire time we're watching this as viewers, we are led to believe that there is no way that a female could be behind all of this. It feels very male-driven. So, since the whole concept of this podcast is to discuss that final twist moment, that aha moment where we realize what is actually going on, what happened? Who did this? Why did they do it? And does this twist actually make any sense? So it ends up being Dawn, the administrative assistant at the college who befriends Nick when he is hired. She helps him set up his computer and phone and later uses that access against him. Dawn is a middle-aged, childless, bored female. When Dawn finds a dating app on Nick's phone going unused, he was allegedly on there to find friends. She logs into it herself, since she knows his only used password, of course, and acts as him, catfishing multiple women, using a voice-changing app to talk on the phone, and eventually brushing off Sarah Burton's suicide threats. She also has access to all of his images because she set up his computer for him. After Nick is released, he stupidly heads to Dawn's house and confronts her. He's obviously angry, and just like an evil cartoon villain, announces his plan out loud about going to the police. Dawn's husband, Ed, comes around the corner and smashes his head, killing Nick. As a viewer, I did really like this ending. I know it was controversial, but in my opinion, the writers made it make sense and tied up every loose end that we could imagine. Personally, the first time around, I started and finished the series in one day. It was enthralling and addicting and really made me want to find out what was happening immediately. What was really interesting in this show is that the social commentary on online community and what to believe. I was absolutely ripping my hair out every time Nick's sister Pia refreshed the video to see how many views it had. Just realizing that every single time you refresh, you're adding just another view and you're adding fuel to the fire. 
It came to no surprise that the video easily hit 5 million views because everyone was talking about it. Even the news was talking about it. So obviously, curiosity killed the cat, and in this case, it killed Nick. Everyone wanted to go check out this viral video that everyone was talking about. It just shows that things that happen online have real-world consequences, and everything online is not what it seems. What a lot of people seem to have issues with is that the killer wasn't even introduced into the last episode. Typically in shows like this, the killer or the person about who did a specific act that we are waiting for, that character should be shown in the first episode. To reveal a character in the final episode and say that they were a killer or the secret entity the entire time is a cheap way to wrap up a mystery. But in this case, it worked. In the end, I didn't really care that Ed wasn't introduced until the final episode, because his wife and who was arguably the bigger villain, she was in the show from the start. And it really wasn't a whodunit, but a why done it. We were looking for the, what the motivation was behind this mess of twists and turns more than who physically struck that final blow to Nick's head. In my rewatch of the series, Dawn had a minor part in the first episode, but it still established her as a character from the jump. The most notable clue was in episode 3, when Nick's wife was walking into the memorial at the gym, when the detective states to her that the killer often comes to these sorts of events. The very first person Sophie hugs is Dawn. So my husband's killer is still out there. That's why we're taking every precaution. You think he could be here? It's not uncommon for a perpetrator to attend a function like this, to witness firsthand the havoc they've created. Sophie, Kai. How are you doing, Kai? You right? I just wanted to leave. I'm sorry. <laughs> Can't stop crying. <laughs> Thank you for coming. It's subtle, but watching it back, now knowing the outcome, it seems so well planned and obvious. During Emma Beasley's episode, we see that she also attended the memorial but only to sneak into his office and reminisce on her affair with him. Don catches her in there, but seemingly makes no reaction to the woman she clearly knows since they have been talking online for months. This is a good misdirect, but it would have made more sense if we can see a minute reaction in Don, worried that one of her catfishies has made contact. Watching it back, it was kind of hard to see Don make no reaction. Knowing what happens, she should be very worried that this woman is here. So why did Dawn do all of this? She was such a nice, kind lady to Nick and a true friend. So close, in fact, that she was the only person that Nick confided in when he found out about his wife's affair with Curtis. In the last episode, she says to her husband that she was bored and lonely. I never meant to hurt anyone, Ed. It's just something to fill the time. Honest. Those women, were you in love with them? No. No, it's just. It's just lonely. I wanted to know what it felt like to be someone. Someone like Nick. Someone people wanted. Someone people saw. She was never in love with these women, and as an average woman, she just wanted to feel special and wanted, popular and attractive, and not invisible, just like Nick. 
someone that everyone loved and everyone wanted to be around. The show does portray her as an invisible character. She's there, but she's not important. Our feelings about her as viewers were just how she described herself. She also thought that what she was doing was harmless. She wasn't using his real name and never had any intention of hurting anyone. She just wanted to talk to people and get attention from other females. But when you're dealing with real people who have real emotions, it can be detrimental. Her lack of care causes one woman to take her life, which spiraled into the kidnapping and death of Nick and the death of her own husband by the police. One thing that I find really interesting about this series are the similarities to the Oscar winner for Best Motion Picture, Parasite. In that film, you think that you know the plot and where it's going, but halfway through, the story opens up into something completely different. Like that movie, this show leads you to believe that it's the typical spousal issues in a relationship. But, oh wait, no, maybe Nick really has been cheating on Sophie and caused this woman to kill herself. But then it completely opens up and we realize it was a totally different story the entire time. One of a catfish and the idea that those closest to you aren't always as innocent as they seem. I think a lot of people would have felt more satisfied if this show did end with Nick being the villain. But I think that's what makes this show so great. It completely goes in a different direction that isn't so far out there. This is something that could really happen in real life. Nothing about this is too far-fetched, and that's the scary part. So what did you think about the twist in clickbait? Was it truly one of clickbait, or did it make sense to you? Tweet me at Erin F. Dean, that's E-R-I-N-F-D-E-A-N, to let me know your thoughts. Next week, we'll be talking about season three of another Netflix show, You. Make sure to subscribe on Anchor or any of your listening platforms, and hope you tune in next week. Have a great one.